While it seems like the Chicago Bulls have made changes to how they plan on running their offense in this upcoming season, we have to ask the question, what would a slow start mean for the Chicago Bulls in this upcoming season? And will the avoidance of the luxury tax eventually lead the Chicago Bulls to have to blow up the roster? We're going to talk about all that, plus dive into the mailbag right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host, Sir Hayes, but more importantly, you guys can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into the content for today. And first up, I want to ask the question, right? This is something I was thinking. While a lot of us are excited about the upcoming Bulls season is, what would a slow start mean to the Chicago Bulls? And by slow start, I mean being considerably under 500 as the season goes on and progresses and as we get towards the trade deadline. And when, you know, you add that in with kind of some of the things we've heard about DeMar DeRozan, right, that the Bulls could look to trade him if there's not an extension. When you look at, like, the, the, them listening to deals on Zach Levine earlier this offseason, what would it really mean if the Chicago Bulls get off to a slow start? And that is something that AK and Eversley, I'm sure, are having to look at as far as as they plot forth uh, the, the future of this team. And we've already heard kind of some things that suggest that the Bulls are kind of ha- that they have serious questions, right? When asked about the luxury tax, uh, AK saying in media day that they have to make sure that this is the group of guys basically that are worth going into the luxury tax for, right? And what I take that as meaning is that before they continue to invest in an aging group and an aging core of players is that they have to see some considerable success before they're willing to continue investing long-term assets to that. Now, that doesn't just mean the DeMar DeRozan extension. No, I don't think that only means that, right? But it means overall, what are you doing? When you look at this team, too, with the disabled player exception, we didn't use that. We didn't use our full mid-level exception. Right now, the Chicago Bulls are hard cap. Doesn't mean that they still can't go into the luxury tax. It just means that they can only go $6.4 million into the luxury tax. Right now, part of the reason why we waived Carly Jones is the Bulls sit $1.7 million below the luxury tax line right now. So that means that the Bulls can get up to that luxury tax line. That's one7 and they have that $6.4 million that they can go over, right? So roughly about $8 million they have that they can go over the luxury tax with where their roster sits right now, with you know being hard-capped and things like that. And so that leads to that disabled player exception that sits at $10.1 million that the Bulls could use most of that, right, to acquire a player either in the last year of their deal or a free agent if they decide to do so by the trade deadline. Could that be something that they can use to go into the luxury tax briefly this one season to add a player just to finish out this season if this team is competing, right? But that's a big question that this team has to ask and answer themselves. So a slow start specifically, let's focus on that. A slow start for this team could mean considerable changes need to be made. They they sit so close up to that tax line. Now, they won't be next season. So if they theoretically uh, extend DeMar DeRozan. That doesn't that won't send them into the luxury tax. They'll have some other tough decisions to make on on a couple of key things with the roster. But it, it like you have to think that the Bulls are really considering, and they're up until the point now where you either have to be ready to go to ownership and say that we feel like this is the group to, that's willing to go into luxury tax for. And I tell you what, if you go to Jerry Reinsdorf um, or Michael Reinsdorf, whoever it is, and you present and they approve you going into the luxury tax. You better be damn sure that this is the group to do it because I tell you what, you're going to have to make so many changes the season after that if this team does not have whatever the level of success ownership is looking for to go into the luxury tax. And so 
the Bulls have a couple of things, right? We talked about one of them. DeMar DeRozan, his extension, or eventually moving on from DeMar DeRozan in a trade. That's something that you absolutely have to look at if a slow start comes from this team. Could the Bulls look to do something even more drastic in pulling the trigger finally on a Zach Levine trade offer? Now, we know that their trade value for Zach Levine remains extremely high, as it should be and as it always has been. But will they now look to move, maybe uh, take the best available offer for that if this team continues to struggle, right? And then the last thing is blow it all up, which I've been very uh, you know, consistent in saying that there's a very it's a very small chance to none that the Chicago Bulls blow it all up before the offseason of 2025. I really do think they're going to really try to ride it out, ride this wave until then. They have a couple of contracts coming off the books at that point in time. Could have a, a lot of cap space that summer of 2025, and that may be why, where they really look to evaluate wherever this team is before they make a decision on the next time. Could they look to move a young piece as well if this team gets off to a slow start, right? And so, that you know, when you pair that with the luxury tax, you have to ask yourself, like, what is more likely? Do they, do they, you know, again, the slow start thing is separate, right? Uh, well, how this team could change due to the slow start could come of any of those young things. They can look to move off a young piece to bring in another veteran if they think that veteran is going to help push this team over the top. They could look to move the older players if they want to go younger. But eventually this team has to cross a bridge, and that is that is to decide if as they get closer and push up more and more to that luxury tax line every single year, does that make a blow up more likely and so we talked about it right sick they're hard capped this season they're right up against a luxury tax of 1.7 million dollars and at some point you have to ask yourself are you limiting yourself in either direction whether it's going into going younger right keep uh investing assets in a young core that you know the ceiling may very well be the first round of the playoffs maybe a second round if you get lucky get the right matchup have the right combination of players things just hit the ceiling firing on all cylinders but as you get closer to that and as this team continues being that team that avoids the luxury tax, one or two thing, one of or one one thing has to happen or another. You eventually are going to go into that luxury tax, or you're going to limit yourself so much in your roster moves that you're really not progressing. Or you have to, I guess, it's three options. Or you have to eventually blow it up to kind of reset that table and go in a different direction. Now I think the Bulls are a couple of years until they absolutely have to make that decision. But as Zach Levine pushes clo- closer to 30, as DeMar DeRozan is over 30, him and Vooch get closer, further and further away from the age of 30, you have to really ask yourself, where is this team really going? And that is some of the questions that this front office absolutely has to ask, and they'd be doing themselves a disservice if they're not honestly answering and evaluating this team in that area. And so let's hope. Let's hope this team doesn't get off to a slow start. Let's hope that they that uh, all this, you know, worrying that I'm doing and, and speculating right now all comes back to being a lot of nothing. And this team is is performing, maybe above 500, maybe looking like they can get the fifth or sixth seed, right? If that happens, then it really does change the conversation. But until that that question is answered and answered in a solid way, anything's possible for the Chicago Bulls team. And we'll see where the season ends up taking the Bulls. But all right, with that being said, kind of my thoughts on that. Let's go ahead and get into the mailbag for today. We got four voicemails we're going to get into. Let's get into this first one. This one's from Shay. Yo, what's up, Hayes? Look, I know the starting lineup has already been set, so I'm going to say this. I still think we need to play through Nikola Vucevic. Look, Kobe White is a decent ball handler and playmaker, but man, he was giving out too many turnovers. And I feel like going up against going up against like good teams, they're gonna expose that. And you saw how the offense moved real smooth with Vooch at the helm of it. You know what I'm saying? Now, now again, look, I'm not saying that that should be his role on a consistent basis, but you know, 
I think we should do more plan through Vooch. And on the offensive end, let's do a little bit more ball movement, player movement, because let's face it, we don't have a point guard. And that's basically that's basically how we probably going to get most of our points if we get wide open shots. But, hey, that's just my opinion. Anyway, tell me what you think. Peace. Should we play more through Nikola Vucevic? I do think that that's going to happen regardless. I don't know how much is going to happen. Like you said and even alluded to in your uh, your your voicemail, it's not going to be like an every play, every half-court situation, but you want to work that into your offense some just to take advantage of the skill set that you had. And like you said, like Kobe White, tremendous. And what he's done, what he, how he's developed, where it seems like this season is going to go and progress for him, I do not want to take from any of that. But he's not a half-court playmaking point guard. He's just not. He can do some of that, right? He can pass well. He can. He's making smarter decisions out there. But you don't really have that true half-court point guard. And that's fine, right? Because you do have a, a big like Nikola Vucevic who you can go off, run some things through. The frequency in which that happens, I think, is going to be based off the success that they have when they're running it and what teams they're playing at that time. But you absolutely can see a world in which your, your center is your pivot point, which then allows Zach Levine, Kobe White to come off screens, move around the ball, right? Hopefully at that point we're seeing a, a, a Patrick Williams that is moving off the ball more as well. And that creates scenes, that creates wrinkles, that creates lanes, that creates open shots out on the perimeter. Everything has to hinge around ball movement, especially if you're a team that's operating with your your center beat doing some playmaking for you. That is why that has to be so important. And so, you know, you, you have to do that, right? So, you know, I do think that the Bulls can be effective in it. It depends on how they use it. You don't want to become overly reliant on it because as much as Vooch can uh, playmake, he's not Nikola Jokic out there, right? He cannot run 90% of your plays from the center position. You just don't want to see it. But Vooch, what Vooch is, he's a smart passer. He's always going to usually get the ball to the right player, right? Even if that doesn't mean they're in a position to score, but make the right play, right? To catch somebody at the right time. So that's kind of things you want to have, especially as you're becoming a team that is trying to move the ball around more and more. Working in those sets for Vooch is going to be important, especially with the personnel that we have both on the bench and in the starting lineup. How they get and generate that offense is going to be interesting to see, especially for that bench unit. But I don't disagree with you that we should see more play, playing through Vooch at times, but it just can't be your offense. It can be a very solid part of your offense, but it can't be your offense in of itself. But all right, let's get into the next voicemail. This one's from Cornelius. Hey, what's good, Hayes? It's Cornelius, man. Uh, like always, appreciate what you do, Penny. Um, I want to talk to us, uh, the fans, uh, C-Red. Uh, I want to talk about something that we need to do that we ain't good at, you know, and, it, and it's crazy, and I understand. Um, it's called patience, and um, we need to have patience with this squad. Um, I got a quick scenario to pick out. I want to ask people this, and we all know this is Bulls fans. How many years did Jordan win the championship, you know? We all know the answer to that, to win his first championship. Now, we know he can do all the things. You know he, what he did to Boston, scoring playoffs and all that. But I'm talking about the ultimate goal. How long did it take him? You know? And I wonder, can we do that now? Like, I could just imagine if we drafted Jordan, we still got the Jordan of what he always been and always become, the airness and all that. But we have to wait eight years. Same thing with P. Will. Same thing with Kobe. Like, we ain't learned from Jimmy Butler. We ain't learned from Lori. Let's have some patience, y'all. Like, I really, really feel good about this team this year. And I know I've been optimistic that all this all year. But I really feel like this team is going to be special, and they're going to surprise a lot of people. We're going to be under the radar, and we're going to make some noise this year, man. Like I said, you know, I get it. 
I understand. I see the inconsistencies and I see the problems and the issues. But let's give these young kings a shot, man. Let's be patient. I know we've been waiting for over 25 years. I understand. I was 10 years old the last time when I saw the shot. I understand. But we got to. We got to, man. We got to. We really got to, y'all. We just can't be so quick to throw them away, man. And like I said, I know it's hard, Bulls fans. I know it's hard, but we can do it, y'all. Experience the thrill of March Madness. If you're still out on the hunt for a sports book to call home, Bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter the bracket contest for a chance to take home prizes up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim the code BULLCENTRAL but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about my bookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use the promo code BULLCENTRAL to secure your limited time welcome bonus today. Let's just sit here and be patient with these young kings and watch what happens, man. I bet you, I bet you they'll surprise you. I bet you. They go come through because I believe in them. I just want y'all to believe in them. All right, Harry. Peace. Appreciate you like always, team. Keep up the great content. Bless. Oh, man. In the microwave society that we live in, the one thing that most people don't want to have is patience. Because I tell you what, a lot of people were probably listening to your voicemail and whether they responded in the comment section, responded in their own head, listening on the podcast side, they probably said to themselves, but we've already been waiting 10. We've already been waiting such a, it's been so long since the Jordan era and we won our last title, right? And those things are valid, right? The Bulls fans, especially if you are a diehard Bulls fan and not somebody who rides the wave and comes in and out, it's been a long time, right? Yeah, the Derrick Rose era was probably the height of what we've had as a Bulls fandom, right? Since the Michael Jordan era, but that came crashing down really fast. And so, yeah, I get having patience and we should have patience because it wasn't built in a day. And when you have a team, I think with the Chicago Bulls, that made their moves to try to win now, and that, but that win now wasn't necessarily winning a championship now, it was just literally to win more games now. It, it, it works the patience of a fan base. And I think the fact that we haven't seen young players necessarily take the step that we need to or wanted to see from them yet in a Patrick Williams, we don't know what Dalen Terry is going to be, right? Io DeSumo took a step back last season. So those things absolutely add to that frustration as well. But either way, here's what. You can have patience or, uh, willingly or you can be forced to have patience because uh, us being impatient or not isn't going to make this team move any quicker. It's not going to make this team become a championship t- contender any any quicker, right? But you do need to hold the front office accountable. Better decisions need to be made, whether that is for you know the, the potential in the picks that you draft and them progressing a little bit faster via play, player development department, which AK built out this season. Or you need to draft better for players that are going to make more of an impact quicker, right? So that we can see that timeline a little bit quicker. So, yes, it's going to take time. And I do think Bulls fans need to have more patience, as I'm sure a lot of people in almost every fan base does. It was not built and it won't be built or sustained in a day, even if it was built in a day, right? So it's going to take some time. And I think that this Bulls team now being more protective of their picks, building out a player development staff, Using the Windy City Bulls is actually a farm system to actually develop talent again. May not be superstar talent, but even if you get a couple of high-level role players coming out the G League every two or three years, they come up they, and they really can develop and stuff for you until they get their first big contract. Hey, that's what you want to see. Those are things that you have to build an organization systematically, right? And a culture systematically that's going to develop, cultivate, and build talent. And so we're really, really just seeing 
AK and Eversley step into that in a meaningful way. And hopefully that continues and we see that start paying off sooner rather than later for the Chicago Bulls. At least I hope so because, listen, I'm tired of complaining. I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of hearing a lot of Bulls fans complain too. But I understand it, right? We haven't gotten to where we've gotten, where we wanted or thought we were going to get to. We had another hype at the Lonzo when this team first came together and Lonzo was here. And that came crashing down via another point guard injury. So let's hope that the future looks much brighter than what our past has been. And hopefully those Bulls fans that aren't, aren't as patient and the Bulls fans that have been patient can eventually all come together and we can celebrate a team that hopefully at some point is winning at a high and consistent level that we're all happy with. But all right, let's get into the next voicemail. This one's from Casual Kelt. Hold up now. I'm not Mr. Doom and complete gloom here, okay? I do think this is my honest take on the Bulls is the, the three guys, I'm not going to call them big three. They're not a big three because they're not that good. They don't have the supernova elite at all talent. Zach Levine's a talented scorer, but he can't dribble enough to be the leader. Um, and they're, you know, we know based on the last two years that those three guys aren't getting you anywhere, um, except like the play in, end of the play in. So where my concern comes in is, you know, these young guys have to take a leap and, um, I'll go guy by guy, say if you disagree. Kobe White, yeah, he's made, he's made a leap. He went from a non NBA player to an average player. That's a big deal. Oh, but he's still, you know, he's an average player. I don't know if he's going to make another leap, you know, but, you know, he's, he's okay. He's a rotation player. Dale and Terry, he's, I, they shouldn't give that guy another contract. Just get rid of him. Um, he's not an NBA player. He's, I, in his dances. I mean, come on now. I mean, I might be old, but they're very annoying. And I imagine they're, he annoys his teammates with all his talking and yapping and being a terrible player. I get rid of Dale and Terry. Io, he's going to be your new Javante Green role, I think. Um, a little smaller than Javante, but, um, you know, as far, he's not going to play point guard for you. But as far as a defender, rebounder, um, and the all around slasher, guys can get out and run, he's going to be a useful player for a while. I like Io. Io is, um, he's a keeper. And then there's Patrick. Patrick Williams. He's not going to be his all-star. He's not going to be, you know, a 20-point-per-game, eight-rebound, five-assist guy that some people want. That, that's okay. On um, the fourth pick, you know, he's better than Jalen – or what's that guy's name? Johnson, the kid from Kansas. Josh Jackson. Oh, no, that's a buff. Or Dragon Bender, that's a buff. He's not those guys. That's a fourth-round, fourth-overall pick buff. Um, he's also, you know, not. He's not even like Lamar Odom, who also went fourth overall. He's just kind of slow. Um, my take on Patrick is he processes the game very slowly. Um, he cannot jump off of a reaction leap. Um, there's a pro- he has a big issue with um rebounding. He does not respond to the ball because he can't jump fast. Um, he doesn't react to defenses fast, so he can't cut. And his shot takes a while to load it. And he's scared to shoot if he's not wide open. I don't think he's that great a shooter. I think he only shoots shots that are wide open. 80% of his threes were unguarded. Um, that percentage will go down if people start guarding him. Um, I think he's a, he's a decent player. Um, but the fact that AK and Eversley watched Florida State games that year, he was there and came to the conclusion that Williams is a better prospect than Des- All right, I got to stop you right there. First of all, you saying that Kobe went from a non-NBA player. Kobe was never a non-NBA player. And this is the things that that Kelder says that really highlight how much of a casual he is because I'm sorry, that's just stupid. That was just a stupid comment, right? That's not to say that Kobe hasn't had his issues. And, you know, Bulls fans at one point really thought that Kobe was going to be traded and he was going to be the odd man out because of 
the, uh, the additional ball handlers and ball-dominant players that we've been on. But Kobe White has never not been an NBA player. Came into the league his rookie year averaging 13 points per game on 39% shooting. Next year, improve that on 41% shooting, averaging 50, 15 points per game, starting 54 of those games, right? And then the second year, I mean, the, his third year, right? Coming in after injury, only averaged 12.7 points per game, took a step back. But if you watch those games, you know that Kobe, the growth of Kobe White as a as a better defender started in the 2021-22 season and he helped especially in that nine game winning streak the Bulls win a lot of games over that that streak with his weak side defense and him taking a step up defensively and then last season Kobe White having probably his worst statistical season but again if you actually watch the games having one of his better seasons in everything other than shooting and scoring the basketball just in how he grew as a playmaker as a decision maker right and as a passer being a smarter more intelligent player and defender so to say that Kobe White was never an NBA player, I'm sorry, it really does shoot down a lot of what you say because that's just one of the stupidest things that you could possibly say, that he was he went from a non-NBA player, right? Stupid. That's just stupid. Um, Now, as far as the Patrick Williams, Devin Vassell thing, and listen, Kelder, you don't even watch enough NBA basketball to talk about basketball outside of stats. I know damn well you're not watching a lot of co- collegiate basketball, and so I know you that you can't talk about what a, what a player was as a prospect. Prospects are different than the results. You are a result base. You go off what has happened since then, and then you try to use that to inform how you talk about the past rather than actually being involved in it because, again, you're a casual basketball fan and you don't really understand or watch the game enough in this or collegiate basketball to talk about that. No, Patrick Williams was a better prospect than Devin Vassell. Devin Vassell went to a team that got ding, 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 that actually, uh, and a coach that knows how to develop, and he went to a team with, with not expectations that he was able to get a lot of those developmental reps and shots to grow and flesh out his game. And shout out to Devin Vassell because he's a monster. And I really do like the game that Devin Vassell has. Now, Patrick Williams has not hit that yet at the NBA level. And one could say that even though Devin Vassell was not as good of a prospect, he can absolutely end up being a better overall NBA player than Patrick Williams. And so that is something that you that you have. But here's what I'll challenge you with, Kelder, and I like to always ask you direct questions that you never respond to. I want you to look at this upcoming draft class since you say who clearly is a better prospect, and I want you to tell me the top 10 prospects in that draft now. Not wait until two or three years later when they, after they, you've already seen what they've done in the NBA, and I'm not talking about this class that just got drafted. I'm talking about the upcoming draft class, the 2024 draft class. Go and tell me who the best prospects are in those guys, and I bet you we won't hear a voicemail back from that because Kelder doesn't know that part of the game. But all right, let's get into the last voicemail for today. This one's from Reginald. Hey, hey, this is Reginald from Columbus, Georgia. I have a question about the great player exception. Um... I was wondering, like, if after the, like, before the trade deadline and at the halfway point of the season, that the tag, well, the exception for 10 million, what if an NBA player who's making 20 million a year, uh, gets traded after the halfway point? At that point, half the contract's already paid off, so would they fall under that, uh, 10 million guy? And lastly, uh, I just, you just, I just heard you talk about, uh, uh, starting Garrett Favors. I don't really think it changes anything for this team because uh, I think it's already set who's going to play what position and who's going to be the top 10 guy. My question to you is, do you think that's going to interfere with Sonogo and Julian Phillips? Great question here from Reginald. Uh, first of all, we have a disabled player exception, not a trade exception. It can be used in trades, but it's not a trade exception. Just wanted to kind of clear that up. But keep in mind, the base, the $10.1 million is for their base salary. It, it doesn't change based off 
where you are in the season. For So, for example, a $20 million player doesn't all of a sudden become somebody you can acquire with a $10 million exception at the halfway part of the season where half their contract has been paid out. So that doesn't it doesn't work that way. It's based off their base annual salary. So it doesn't change if you wait further down. You can't acquire the different players. So I just wanted to clarify that since that, that was your question. Now, as far as favors affecting Sanago or Julian Phillips, I think he's he's coming here to help mentor those guys. So if it affects them, it can be in a positive way because I think you're bringing a veteran down to that G League team for two players that you are invested in their growth, right? Julian Phillips, and I think Justin Lewis as well. That's another player. I don't know if you met him, but though that it affects that. Keep in mind, he's only going to be in the G League. He's going to be down there, kind of an extension of that coach. And I do think he can definitely help a player like Sonogo. I think he can help him a lot. So I think that's the way that we're looking at Derek Favors to affect those guys. Um, but, hey, everyone, let me know what you guys think on all that down below. But thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central. Make sure you guys are following the show at Bull Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullcentralpod at gmail.com. And then lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. Thanks to you guys. And like I like to end everything on, go Bulls. Love you guys. See red if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media.